the following podcast contains strong language and may not be suitable for all house cats. It's cats this time, Troy. Don't look at me. I'm just saying, my cat would like this. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to the Better Left Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Smith, and I am currently sitting around the table with Troy. Howdy. Corn. Hi. And Jay. Hey. And Jay's ghost producing. We just hit record and are kind of hoping this thing works out the way we want it to. It's like ghost riding the whip. Yeah, it's ghost riding the pod. Ghost riding the pod. (laughs) (laughs) Scoops riding it. So we took a a bit of a break. We had what we're referring to as a holiday hiatus, but we are back. Uh, I don't think any of us really celebrated Fourth of July because we just don't believe that freedom is truly present in america right now and so we're all like i'm just gonna comfort you're, my scared dog you're being funny but we are patriots we just don't think that you need to light your neighborhood on fire and scare every animal into the night or veteran with ptsd <sighs> or any can we like stop with the fireworks why do we have to light i thought shit long, on fire to celebrate it i thought long and hard about it i don't know how you two feel um i know how sarah and i feel because we had lengthy dialogue on this i'm over it I don't care yeah. about it. I'm sorry. I will never get over the rockets, red glare, or those cannons <laughs> bursting in midair. Get blue through the night. Get a flag so we are going to be doing podcast karaoke, just so everybody knows. <laughs> so let's get right into our episode. Uh, this is going to be a good one. We're going to start out with a couple of our what the shit moments that we had uh, for our big news breakdown. We're going to be breaking down that first Democratic candidate debate. That's big news. And then um, we are going to be trying out the spelling bee. And uh, I know a bunch of like eight-year-olds probably beat us, so this is going to be really pathetic. Okay, Um, what's the, uh, tell me the spelling bee thing, what is that? We're going to be spelling some words that the kids from the professional big kid spelling bee did to win. Yeah, so there was like the annual spelling bee thing, and I can't remember how many, I'll pull it up later, but like a dozen of them won because they just kept getting it right over and over and over. And I want to see if we can get one right. Yeah, and nice. the adults were like, "I just want this to end." You all win. Yeah, <laughs> I absolutely will get one right. I'm not even afraid of this no, a little bit. I oh, will. You're such a liar. I you're will. So full of shit. Um, in uh third grade, I failed my spelling bee because I spelled kitchen with a C. <laughs> cochina. <laughs> That's right. Is it cochina or cochina? Excuse me. I think cochina. cochina. Is the, I think cochina is the Italian My name version. starts with a C, and so I'm like Cassidy Kitchen. I don't oh, know. Cassidy. She's in third oh. grade. Calm down. Corn. Okay, Cassidy. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, corn Kitchen Cassidy. Yeah. Why are you judging third grade corn? <laughs> yeah. Um, just a little kernel back then. When I was in um, third grade, I won the arm wrestling contest. When oh. I was in third grade, I was in a school play and I played the the lead role of Rabbit. It was an Easter base play, I think, uh-huh. or springtime play. I forgot one line, but that was pretty good for what a was the line? I still don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you have grades, Jay? So I know you're making a joke about me being homeschooled, but I was top of my class every year. Wow. <laughs> every Thanksgiving is yeah. a high school reunion. Did you have a Thanksgiving play that you performed? Ooh. Yeah, it was We Were Too Poor to Have Turkey. It was great. Well, that Aww. makes me feel really great. Now I just feel sad. Anyway, <laughs> so we're going to be uh, highlighting what we've done a couple of interviews we've got lined up coming at you. So the one we're wow. going to start with is we're going to start with Melissa Hall, and she is a candidate for Seattle City Council in our sixth district. And I know that that sounds like it's low key Seattle stuff only. So tune out when it's because just Seattle. But I promise you, we talk all about how this stuff applies nationwide. We talk about national housing stuff. Um, we really talk big issues with. Melissa, she's hands down one of the most educated persons I've ever met on the housing. 
She's incredible. Uh, sitting down and talking to her was a true pleasure. But I just got news. She's running for city council, but she was just elected by a landslide mayor of my heart. Aww. I heard about that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, someone who doesn't live in Seattle, I really didn't have a lot of connections to the D6 race. Such a cool person. So intelligent. Educational. Yeah, and talks lot. about things again, not just for Seattle, but whatever, wherever you are, how you can do the thing too. Yep. So it's really cool. I urge you, like, don't just judge it as a one-off Seattle thing. Uh, we've also got Tammy Morales, who, if you heard our our interview with Ari Hoffman running in District Two, she is his opponent, and she is fierce. She's great, and she's going like to be her. next week. I think we're having her, mm-hmm. uh, and then we're kind of getting a couple more city council candidates. We've had some roundtable discussions that we want to get out there into later episodes. We've got some cool stuff coming, so stay tuned for all that stuff. But but I say we jump right on into our what the shit. What the, the shit. <laughs> I'm going to take the lead, shockingly, on this one. All of you settle down. Sorry. Mine is the most important one. Um, my what the shit moment for this week came about on July 10th when I read about a Florida woman who allegedly peed, spat, and then wiped her toilet hands in a store's ice cream. What? Yep. They were a competing business, and she was furious with them for Wait. doing so well. And so she, I will just read you the first sentence of this article. Please because it's going to make me sad. It is, and it is going to be all that you need. Um, <laughs> a Florida woman was arrested Monday and accused of contaminating the ice cream of a neighboring business with her spit, urine, and snot. Mm. <sighs> Sounds like a new Jelly Belly flavor. Oh, mm. we did that game already. <laughs> yeah, we tasted that her jelly beans. It's super <laughs> gross. Uh, she destroyed over. They had to discard two thousand dollars worth of ice cream, and apparently, she didn't like that they were getting popular. Uh, she's been charged with an act of tampering. It's a first degree felony, and criminal mischief, which is a third degree felony. Sounds like she's going to be on a rocky road. Oh, oh you. you can let yourself out. Uh, <laughs> so that's really disgusting. Do not sabotage other businesses. We're all local businesses trying to make it work. Compete in the spirit of competition, y'all. Don't wipe your boogers in people's food. Agre- Booger pee poop. Agreed, but also felony worthy though. Yes, one hundred percent. That ruins people's lives. No, she can recover from this, it right? Makes I mean, sick, and it's disgusting. That ruins people's, you know, <sighs> upper and lower GI. That's a thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. But here's the them. other thing: ice cream is sacred. Yes, it's a sacred treat, kids. Sacred summer treat. I mean, it was until you told me that story. Now I'm You're not going to eat ice cream anymore. Well, it starts with ice cream corn and it ends ice cream corn kidnapping children and throwing them in volcanoes. That's how it ends. It's a slippery slope. I learned that from Fox News. Is that somebody's? Oh, no. (laughs) I was like, is that a story that happened? What the shit? I get it, though. You know, it is a slippery slope right up into the volcano. At first, it's shoving your toilet hands into somebody's ice cream and then it's sacrificing children. That's how it works. I'm just going to start calling her Lady Toilet Fingers. (laughs) (laughs) Lady Toilet Fingers. And I think. so that was my what the shit. What about you guys? Okay, so um, for my what the shit, I'm pretty pissed off about what's going on in Queens right now. Oh, um, Queens. You mean election shake. fraud? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's and, called uh, election frogs. Yeah, frogs. Yeah, there's a frog takeover of the Democratic Party, and it's really worrisome. No. <laughs> um, so Tiffany Caban, um, so she's running for DA in Queens. She's been endorsed by AOC. Um, she is a former public defender, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, 
So she, it looked like she won the thing. Um, on election night and the night nights after, it looked like the results, um, it was like over 95% were in and it looked like she was going to win. Um, but ju- on the 4th of July, so when there's not a lot of news, there's not coverage, people aren't as engaged. So the, the New York Board of Elections, um, they actually threw out almost 2,000 affidavit votes um, for Tiffany. And because of that, now her competitor is winning by like a, a couple dozen votes. Um, a couple dozen votes. Right. These cheesy, monstrous. And so we don't know why these affidavits have been invalidated. Um, you know, they're not really telling us a lot about what's going on, but they're trying to do a recount that costs a lot of money. And again, they know that for these progressive candidates, money is an issue. You don't beat them at the ballot box. You beat them at the banks. That's yeah. where you beat them. Yeah. But that's what small dollar donations have to go through. And that's this is how the machine is designed to work. And Queens, even against AOC, Queens was a microcosm of what's happening on a huge scale of, with elections and election tampering and election rigging. Um, they fought AOC tooth and nail, the the machine in, in Queens. And she are in uh, the Bronx. And Queens is no different. We had the same experience working on your campaign where people were cutting us out of conversations. They were inviting us to things, um, hiding the um, agenda, moving it to a new night so we wouldn't know. Um, You know, we have a friend, uh, Rebecca Parsons. She just announced that she is running for uh, Congress and she is – it was a surprise, I think, for the campaign was, you know, was – I, it was shocking that the Democratic Party was so rough and so plain so dirty. But the new crop, they're looking at it as a badge of honor that they're doing the right thing. There's something there, there, but this is ridiculous. Well, and I mean, yeah, they wouldn't feel the need to throw out votes and to, to rig the system for these other candidates if they weren't threatened by us. Um, and um, I think that the when AOC got Crowley out, they looked at this as an opportunity of okay, we can we can try and get another establishment person through and show that it, it's just a one-off thing. You know, they they don't want it to be a continuous trend that these progressive folks are getting elected in New York because then it shows that the the system is no longer working for them. Um, but this isn't the first time they've done this. Um, so in 2016, during the the presidential elections and the primary elections, um, the state of New York actually purged 200,000 voters. People who were already registered to vote, um, they had checked their their um, their voter registration before, and it looked fine. And then all of a sudden, it, they were just purged from the <gasps> from the rolls. Um, and of course, again, this was more often than not people that were voting, um, you know, for progressive candidates. And so it's just really crazy how you know you think of voter suppression in these red states, but it's happening in New York, and it's happening against our own party yep it's nuts and if you have to rig the election and throw out votes without cause without explanation just toss them out the window then your candidate didn't really win that's a stolen election and it it might work this time around and it is not going to work the second time around but you know what it'll lack it will lack heart and soul that candidate is not in it for people and the constituents the electorate will know they will know that person is there to maintain the status quo. No, I was going to say, I think you guys are exactly right. You know, we've been talking a lot just when we sat down with Tammy just recently, we were talking about power. What does that look like? And a big piece of it is money is power, right? And so that's what we're seeing, like whether it's voter fraud or whether it's, 
you know, purging people from the ballots or whether it's preventing people from being part of things or whatever it might be. These are all examples of power. That's what they're doing. This is what's happening. And so connected to that, if you do have the money to help, please donate to her campaign because they're having to put money towards this recount. And that is very expensive. Also, this is just a reminder that, again, um, you know, when you vote, if especially if you vote affidavit, track your ballot to see where it goes. And if you did vote affidavit in this race, make sure to contact um, the local DSA chapter. They're doing help um, with folks who who they're going to help to make sure did your vote get thrown out? Um, and if it did, how can we make it count? The other thing, too, is um, there's a couple ways. If you've got the resources and the time, the, the privilege to be able to donate and to visit, visit. Yeah. The other thing you can do, call and call and call and email and fax and snail mail. Pony Express. Pony Express. Owl. Carrier Pigeon. Raven. Right. No, you're exactly right, Troy, because they may have more money than us, which is a form of power, but we still have our own, right? We can go out, we can use our voice, we can use our time, we can use our social media accounts. Uh-huh. Like we can do this kind of thing. And I think it's really important that we're talking to everybody we know about this. That's right. And also, I mean, obviously with the voter suppression, we're fighting against this, but it's again, another um, reminder that in these, you know, maybe not as important quote unquote races, you know, it's it's not your Senate seat or your presidential race. They're getting decided by dozens of votes. And so please turn out for these off-season elections, for these primaries and things like that. They've got all these donations coming in, these big name candidates that are being propped up by the machine. But here's the thing that we have to do at the ground level. We have to redefine power. And we have to stop thinking of power as just a title in a hierarchical system because it is more than that. Like what Jay was getting at, money isn't money, money is power. But you know what else is power? Your voice your phone call, your vote. These things matter. We've watched entire politicians flip on issues because of social media campaigns. We have power. We just have to redefine what that looks like and make them realize that we've changed that definition. And just because they might have that American flag pin on their lapel and they're standing in the House of Representatives, that doesn't mean they have power. That still means we have power. Absolutely. We are the ones that are putting them into office. They are working for the American people. Here's the thing. The whole organization, top to bottom, even law, even colleges, they're designed to feel as though it's bigger than you. You can't do this. It's confusing. You can't, you you shouldn't be here. This is for other people. But here's the deal. You can go there. And if it sounds confusing and they're trying to confuse you, then you demand them. Do you demand an explanation in a way that you understand until you understand and don't leave until you do. Don't be rude. Don't be be combative. And so much as if you're being treated with respect, then, you know, reciprocate. If you're not say, excuse me, elected official, this isn't making sense. And it needs to before I'm able to continue on. Tell me what you're doing for me. Right. And connected back to what Sarah was saying and, you know, those untraditional types of power, um, it reminds me of what just happened with Nancy Pelosi and AOC and her saying, oh, well, you know, those women, it's just a a couple of them with Twitter followers, whatever, like Uh, what they doing. They they have done so much more than you have in such a short period of time because they have that untraditional power. And you might not recognize that yet, but it's fucking coming for you. When you have the entire audience 
in a theater and twi- that's what Twitter is. It's a theater and followers are your audience. You have what's called a bully pulpit. And I run into a lot of people where they use that phrase, but a lot of folks don't really know what that means. A bully pulpit means you have a majority of the attention on you and you can say things to educate people. You can say things to rile people up, to impassion people. Your pulpit is stronger than theirs. And AOC's pulpit is stronger than Pelosi's. AOC, Ayanna Presley, Rashida Tlaib, Ilan Omar, their pulpit is stronger than Nancy Pelosi's. But the other thing is, is like, these are just women who are in positions of elected capacity who are having a disagreement. Agreement. It is not as big a deal as the media is making it out to be. It happens all the time. Here's the other thing, too. Her t- for her to suggest, it sounds a little bit like something I've heard in the past, which is, what are you doing? Why aren't you out there doing something? You're on Twitter and you're calling us the establishment. And well, here's the deal. They're doing both. They're educating. They're talking on Twitter. But that's not all they're doing. They're talking to their constituents. Mm-hmm. They are connecting with the people that elected them. They are standing up for the policies that they said they would enact. There's the idea that they would be dismissed with a hand wavy. Oh, they do their Twitter. Oh, they're so cute and pat them on the head. Nancy, you're not getting it. You got to. Who's the other woman that like told those uh, little kids that uh, they don't know how to do? Oh, Diane. Feinstein. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Diane Feinstein, who told the children they don't understand. And that's exactly what this is. That's exactly like, well, why can't we just be civil and, you know, and, and have a, a discourse? It's like you're, you're you are scrabbling for purchase. You have none in every capacity in your life. Every capacity, whether it is working with someone, whether it is being friends with someone, whether it is a family member, respect is not owed, it is earned. Civility is what you get when respect is reciprocated. When you are respecting each other, civility is possible. You can be kind to each other because you respect each other enough enough to listen and you respect enough to, each other enough to learn. But when you don't have that baseline of respect, civility goes out the window and becomes bullshit. It is just yeah. patting on the back. It is putting. It is candy coating a piece of shit telling you it's a goddamn Jordan Almond. I get very upset about civility. (laughs) I love Jordan Almond's. Me too. And I don't know why that's the one I thought of. (laughs) That's a good one. I like it. It Those are yummy. Came to me. Um, Yeah, but I mean, this is something that we've all been really passionate about for a long time. We're passionate about everything. I think I say that at least once a pod. Lots of passion. Uh, Lots of passion. Mm -hmm. Ooh, just, I know he's not here. He's on hiatus doing a thing. He's actually out helping some of the uh, sex workers up here in Washington. Bill is on, Bill's out in the world doing things, but I just wanted to remind everyone do you guys know Bill is severely lactose intolerant? What? Just, what? I'm yeah. glad you mentioned it because I was worried <laughs> that we wouldn't. Yeah, same. Don't worry. We mentioned it. But this moves us into our uh, Big News Breakdown. Bringing you the news. We are never going to get a clip recorded for that. We're too far in. We're too deep. We're too far into it. So... For our big news breakdown, we're going to try to keep it pretty concise because I'm sure everyone remembers the great uh, president candidate opining of 2019 when we tried to fit all of them into like 20 minutes and there were 22 people and we just couldn't do it. It wasn't possible. (laughs) Too many. So we're just going to quickly break down the two debate nights for the Democratic Party. We had our first debate. Yay. 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 And we 
had a lot of fun. We, we had did. some people over. Two nights, too many candidates. Yeah, yep. we had a good couple dozen people each night. Some came both, some came just one, and it was a lot of fun. It was yeah. a blast. The first of many events that we're going to be putting on, I hear. Yes. 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 We got some other stuff happening around the community. I can't quite tell you what it's all about yet, but we are going to have fun. Hashtag secret project. Woo! Yeah. And uh, just so everyone knows, we are going to be, we tr- had some trouble live streaming ourselves the night of the debate, but that's okay. We're going to get the next one. Uh, we're going to be live streaming. So watch the Better Left podcast, which is uh, at Better Left Pause. Better Left Cast. At Better Left Cast on Twitter. Oh, yeah. I was like, which we're one? We're going to go. Th- I know. I was like, where are we? Um, Yes. So we're going to be live streaming the next debate ourselves and our reactions. So rather than watching my 50,000 live tweets about it, you can just listen to me yell. Incoherently. Or both. Or both. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't limit yourself. We'll have some drinking games or some not drinking games. We'll have some, you know, pinching games. We'll have yep. some. We're going to have bingo cards for this next one because we definitely out. ran into some technical difficulties <laughs> getting them from So many difficulties. So yeah. many candidates. Yeah. Um, right. So there were two nights <laughs> and I had a work emergency. So I unfortunately could not be present the first night. You were there in our hearts. So the first night we had uh, Bill de Blasio, Tim Ryan, uh, Julian Castro. Julian. Julian. Oh, Julian. Good, but, but the other guy was on there? Who was the, Tim, uh, Ryan. Tim Ryan. I don't know who that is. I don't either. Yeah. Um, that was me. He made a night. real big impression. Uh, Cory Booker, Joking. Elizabeth Warren, uh, Beto O'Rourke. 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 Booty O'Rourke. Beatty. Beatty O'Rourke. Amy. Klobuchar. Amy Klobuchar. I know how to say words. Yeah, lobster. Yeah, lobster. Yeah. Amy Lobster. Tulsi. Uh, Jay Inslee and John Delaney. Ooh. So what are some moments from the first night that stood out, guys? What's up, Sarah? Instead of standing on a table, Beto stood up and he said he told us all of his Espanol. And he didn't answer the question, (laughs) but he said Spanish words. And did you see how pissed Cory Booker was that he spoke Spanish before him? I I think it was that, but it was also like this side eye of like, are you kidding me? It was also the moment that everyone on stage was like, what is happening? Was I supposed to know Spanish? (laughs) (laughs) And why is everybody racing to speak Spanish? That's what I want to know. Why are we? Can you just speak Spanish organically about a question that requires interaction with people that speak Spanish? Like, uh, just give us a telegraph, like quickly take a gander at my pander. <laughs> you know, like, what are we doing? It's, yeah, it's like every kid who's just like, "Do you want to hear how good my stereo is in my car?" Wink. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Beto's like, "I can, hey kids, I got some Spanish in my van." <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> What is he doing? Hey, kids, you want some Spanish? <laughs> um, Another, uh, I wouldn't say he stood out. However, <laughs> you know, he stood out to us because he's our homeboy is Jay Inslee. I think he did okay. Jay, I don't. That's I, I think our- He's our homeboy because he's our state governor. Yeah, so he's not actually knows. like our friend. Well, he know we're homeboys. Know he oh yeah, us. yeah. I heard. Well, that. I mean, we hang out at home together, and <laughs> yeah. No, no. Uh, I, I thought. Okay, so the. Compared to the rest of the, we're just first nighting it. You're like, no, you're not, you're not buying it. It was his opportunity to fucking go hard on climate change. And when they asked him what his number one issue was or whatever, oh, yeah. he said that Trump is bad. We know that. Why are we still up on tw- on stage for 2020 being like, Trump is bad? We all know. We all are aware. Wow, Thank that's you. such a good point. We don't need to. Yeah. We already okay. know. Like, right, number one mind. threat to America is Donald Trump. Change we all mind. know this. Let's get to the number two threat to America. <laughs> yeah, it's because a consultant told him to say that. That's exactly uh, what it is. And I think all of us at this point are tired of consultant speak all the yes, time. Yes, we are. Um, and then one of the other things that he did that really made me eye roll was... 
he kept being like, I'm the first to do this. I'm the only one on this stage to do this. And the thing that he did about that was so cringe was women's rights. He said that he has done the most for women or something like that. And the women on stage are like, hi. Hi. I am a a woman. Elizabeth Warren. Like, (laughs) Like, really, dude? (laughs) Honestly, like. That was good, though. That was good. I like Elizabeth Elizabeth Warren, though. Like, she's really growing on me. She's, I I think she's a, I honestly am starting to believe she is a big policy nerd. And, like, actually is there for the right reasons. And every, I think she was foolish to take Trump's bait on that horribly racist DNA test. What a dummy. What she a dumb idea. She should never have that. done that. That was dumb. And no. she, I think she knows it, but. Consultants. Um, consultants talked her into it because yeah. consultants are great at telling you what they think you should do. And none of them are good at helping candidates be organically themselves, which is something we'll talk about at a later date. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's part of hashtag secret project. Anyway, uh-huh. um, so we are, we just had, it was a, kind of a boring debate night, honestly. So night two, night two was an experience. So we had, let's see if I can read these names, you guys. <laughs> you got, uh, I believe in Marianne you. Marianne Will- Williamson. <sighs> I, I love her. Oh. No, and I really liked her tweet that was like, okay, by tomorrow night, I need to learn Spanish. Oh, yes. I need to learn Spanish by 9 p.m. tomorrow. Uh, we got John Hickenlooper. Nope. We got uh, Stephen An- Andrew Yang. Oh, yeah. yeah. Stephen Yang. So we had Stephen yeah. Andrew Yang. Ste- yeah. Stephen Yang. Uh, we had Butter Judge Pete. Butter Judge. When was the... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we had uh, Big Biden. Um, Big B. Uh, Daddy Bernie. Uh, we had Kamala. Uh Kristen Gillibrand, Michael Bennett, and Eric Swalwell. Because I kept Sarah's calling him new best friend. Oh, he's my new Twitter best friend. So, so everyone knows on uh, during the <laughs> debate that we were watching it, and I was live tweeting it, and he Swalwell said something, and all you heard was a rogue clap in the back, like. And then I just loudly announced through him. I was like, oh, we found Eric Swalwell's mom. <laughs> so then I tweeted that at him. And he retweeted. He's like, my mom is a Trump supporter, but I would be very happy if she was excited. I'm like, oh, I think you missed Swalwell. You got to be careful, madam. You are not just, you know, Sarah from the block. I'm a, I'm somebody, kind of. Yeah. First she had at a little, least now 10 she had people. a lot. Now she had a little and something. At least 10 something. people listen to this podcast. No, but you forgot a very important part of the tweet, I believe, which is that it involved Chris Jenner as well. Oh, so yeah. thank you. It I was used, the, you're doing amazing, sweetie. I gift. used the Chris Jenner yeah. gif of you're doing yeah. amazing, sweetie. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Swalwell. But you know what? Swalwell's out now. But I, I am going to give him a hat tip. I've, I've run for office before. I know how hard it is. I know what it requires. I know how taxing it is. And he kept gun violence and in schools at the front of the conversation whatever you thought about him homeboy stuck to his conviction wore an orange tie to every event always talked about gun violence and just he he tried the thing and it was stressful but he put his hat in the ring and that deserves some kind of hat tip so and also if you're gonna get mad at kamala for saying i was that little girl and then having merch ready to go you don't know what to be mad about no there's a whole list of things Mm. to be pissed off about around Harris and the deftly like doy they don't practice like come on like that you know that the people are going up there with a ready-made thing to say that's not the problem with her no and I mean we were just talking about this with debates like when you were running before forms um we would prep for 20 30 hours plus I, I want mean. to say something that this is very very true 
we would prep for hours, write stuff up. She didn't use any of it. <laughs> you would go off and do your own thing, and it would be better than the thing, but it would be like, okay, yeah, no, yeah, okay, great. So you're an anomaly and don't count in that regard. But of course they're practicing. Do you don't think um, Biden was, you know, whatever? Whoever was operating the living Biden corpse was just <laughs> totally screwing it up for everyone all night. Totally screwed up for him. Really dropped the Biden ball. They would just were moving the puppet hands fast enough. Just too, too quick. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I don't, I think there's a lot of reasons to dislike Kamala and that's not one of them. I know. Um, I think that for now, you know, she's coming for Biden. So let's fucking take Biden out and then we can work on talking about her issues. Oh, please. Can we take Biden out? I'm trying to get back to like some of my tweets. Biden just I think what did he say when he like really shot himself in well, the foot? Not only what did he say, but. What the fuck was up with that spray tan, guys? Like, oh my god, he's going yeah, he to the same place it. Trump is. Yeah, yeah. yeah hey, we've and already got one Cheeto man in. Why not another? Mm -hmm. It's I just, a battle. I, I just okay. It seems kind of like Joe Biden said a couple things. All of them were Barack Obama, my best friend, <laughs> and he also yeah. The, his platform is I was vice president to Barack Obama. That is his platform. That's it. That's yeah. it. When Barack and I. And the other thing, I found it. I found my tweet that I got really pissed about when I felt like he literally punched himself in his own face when he said, <laughs> it's not the NRA causing gun violence, it's gun companies. And you know what's sad? I understand what he was going for, and he just, but he just he Biden farted it. it out of his mouth <laughs> in such an ineffectual way that the whole point was lost. And it was just gone. And like, and but everyone's like, wow, that does not smell nice. This is very confusing <laughs> and complicated. Um, Tulsi got some good shots in. Um, on night one. Yeah. Yeah. Was she on night mm -hmm. one? I thought mm -hmm. she was talking to Joe. No. Nope. She, I think she was, was talking to. That was Kamala. Uh, no, I'm thinking of who Who did she shut she down? She was. Uh, who did she call Everybody. out? She was like, no, wait. I, I pretty fearless. was in war i did that thing yeah i think she was just calling out everybody to be like y'all don't know what you're talking about like She's i've actually gone through foreign the policy I, you know i'm I, and i do apologize mixing up the candidates between two nights um there's, it's confusing there's, there's a lot of humans yeah, we have a couple more too don't we oh we have my i i stand marianne williamson now y'all mm -hmm. i stand oh, her a little bit i'm gonna meet you on the field love. i kind of i love her i love her and like i don't know if i want her to lead my nation but she would hands down have the world's largest reserve want... of chardonnay of any sitting president oh, i want to do ever. chardonnay yoga I... they'll be goats she absolutely smokes but she uses one of those really long cigarette holders <laughs> yes, she's wearing a very comfortable oh, like yeah she yeah. would be the first president to greet foreign ministers in like her bathrobe, her silk smoking jacket. Yes, exactly. She just is. But you know what? She said some rad stuff and she is on it with policy. And I I actually felt like when she did get the chance to speak, it was a wild experience. But it wasn't wrong. But she also, um, the thing that I found interesting about her was um, we kind of found out a little bit more about her. Like she would be into some crystal healing therapies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's it. I like her. Don't get me wrong. And I loved her challenge to meet him with the Rainbow Brigade from the Care Bears, I think they're called. <laughs> yes. And 
I just she's a little problematic in some areas. Yeah. For example, she called vaccines draconian and Orwellian. Her weight issue, like the weight stuff that she talked about, like it's sort of um, see the body you wish to be and yeah. And yes, I understand that she apologized for those comments, but still, I you came from somewhere, right? Like it's a little worrisome. Yeah. I uh so the one the theme of the second night of debates that I felt like was really prevalent actually I felt like it was prevalent on the first night too is uh everybody had to talk to Bernie's platform. Everybody had to. And Bernie yep. still got dragged for it. Well, that's what I was going to say is I was going to ask you guys how do you think Bernie did? Um I felt like Bernie almost didn't need to say a lot cuz mm-hmm. everyone knew. Everybody knew. And the one thing that pissed me off though like I appreciate what Rachel Maddow is doing. I appreciate her ferocity. I do. I know she's part of the mainstream media machine and it's not popular to say that, but you know, this is it is a hard job that she's doing. Um but everybody wasn't uh, on topic. Everybody wasn't talking about time. And the only time she seemed to give a shit was when it was Bernie Sanders. And I do not appreciate that. And uh, also the same network that will somehow leave him off of the list when they're talking about the top. It's it's ludicrous. But I'll, I want to say one more thing about our, our friend um, uh, 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 Woo Woo uh, Crystal Pants. Marianne. Marianne, sorry. <laughs> um, I... My only problem with her is that I wish she had better diction and that she was like she put a little I, I wish she would put a little theater on it. Like she just felt like she wasn't she's very understated. Just grab a bag of glitter, keep it in her bag at all times, or she's gesticulating, just throw it into the crowd. Just the way she was just like I am upon you all. Don't use glitter, please use paper confetti. It's more eco friendly. It's better for the eyes. She could just shoot rainbows from her eyes. I think she did. I think like, that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're gonna fight evil with love, Jay. I know. So and I will meet you on that field of love. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Donald Trump. But I will it, hug like, you in half. One of the people that I did not think, like, I felt like Butter Judge really did not do was anything. Was he there? Yeah, he I was. feel like Butter Judge underperformed. I feel like um, Beto underperformed and got called out on a lot of stuff, too. He needs to go back to Texas yeah. and run. Yeah. Um, a thing that I pointed out when we <laughs> were watching the debate that ruined it for a lot of people and nobody could unhear it was, uh, I feel really bad for this one, but I'm saying it anyway. So Michael Bennett is running for president from Colorado. And if you listen to his voice, and now all of you listeners get to have this curse too, he sounds exactly like Mr. Garrison from South Park. And I, you mentioned that I was angry about it, but I also want to say that um, Mayor Pete, is Rick Astley. Every time I see him, I'm just like, never gonna give you up, <laughs> never gonna make you I my president. I mean, he's like a younger, <laughs> yeah. Well, like, he kept talking about how, he's like, crime has spiraled out of control in Bloomington, Indiana, or whatever. And I'm like, you are the mayor. That is your job <laughs> yeah. to fix that. Why are you just letting it spiral out of control? You should do something about it. I just think he's wildly underwhelming in every category he, he, he is wildly mediocre you know yeah. what he is great at being mediocre palatably gay <laughs> that's it he palatably is, gay people are like huh okay you're affable and approachable you go to church you're in the military you speak some languages you okay okay well why aren't all the gays like this <laughs> Are you but saying, you're so normal, everyone says to him, I'm sure. Troy, we were just joking today about a local campaign that was using the word fabulous. 
in a way. Are you saying that he wouldn't use that word? Is that what you're telling me? I'm saying that people would go, you know, I'm so glad I don't have to use the word fabulous with the guy. Oh, <laughs> palatable. Okay. Palatable. Doesn't offend the proud boy. Was it? Who Not was too it? proud. I yeah. can't remember no. who it was. Somebody. Uh, Not too proud to run, yo. So, somebody said like, unlike, somebody said GBLT, which instead of LGBT. <laughs> oh yeah, we they were confused. Did it. it was shocking. And I was like, what kind of sandwich is that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm hungry. I had it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. uh, it just, Yeah. I got to say, though, Kamala Harris straight up saying like, hey, all those racist laws, by the way, Joe Biden legislated them. Don't forget. And, and I'm like, did. Kamala, she I got handed to her as much as she's a cop and as much as I won't vote for her in the primary. Uh, she went to town. Ta- it was bash Biden night, which was fine. Fine. With me. But he still, needs it. He, he needed it. it. Yeah. I think if I could pick one person to have won both nights, it's definitely Kamala. I don't like her. Kamala. Yeah, she's okay. I I, I like the fact that she's a cop. woman of no color way. is running. And no, I think, when she walked back to her comments about um, Medicare, for all. Medicare for all, no, she's done. Like or, that's canceled. Yeah. Or this one shocked me. It was about two days after the debate. She suddenly takes the exact same position Biden espoused about it's a state's right issue for busing. Right. Even yeah, though, that was and, weird. Yeah, in front of the camera, she's like, no, this is when the federal government should stand in. I was that girl. Yeah, yeah. her whole powerful story about being that girl who suffered. Now, and they had to go through and X off the words, and now it says, I was not that girl. Yeah, and like, it, and she walked that whole position back. Are you kidding me, Kamala? Like, yeah, sorry. I better arrest you. And that's what I mean. Like, I'm here for her calling out Joe Biden, but we're calling you out, too. Yeah, like, I'm here for yeah. you calling out Joe Biden. That is necessary. Keep doing that. She did it in a powerful, real, it felt very genuine kind of way. Um, the walkbacks where she's not on camera, they feel like consulting vibes, but, you know. Yeah, I also feel, well, actually, they feel like uh, lobbying vibes. Someone yeah. calling, right. did I just hear, you know? Yep. And uh, I do want to say one thing I think we missed is Julian Castro surprised me. My boy, Julian. <laughs> yeah, we are the worst at pronouncing yeah. names. So sorry, and remembering Team Castro. Names, Stephen. Yeah, he um, Stephen Castro. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Yang Gang, which is what they say. Daniel Castro. Daniel Castro, and what? Uh, what happened to the Starbucks guy? Did he get trapped on oh, a plane? Mr. Peanut. Uh, Charlie. Yeah. He's Brown. not Peanuts. running as a Democrat. Also, he suspended his campaign, and basically, without saying it. He said that, well, like if somebody like Biden goes through, then I'm good. But if it's like a Bernie sort of person, then I'm coming back in. Oh, God. He's yeah. a Freddy Krueger. Terrible. Um, but so like this, these debates were kind of wild and interesting. It was fun. Yeah, it was a, it was a good time. It was a garbage um, show. Yeah. I really I. Oh, man, I was doing this thing all night. Whenever there was like a nondescript white man on screen, I was like, who's that? And I asked the same question about like five people. And I just at one point, I think uh I think it was Andrew Hong who's like, do you really not know who that is? I'm like, I don't. He goes, you, by now, you've asked like six times. I'm like, they literally all look the same to me right, right. now. There's one guy I kept thinking was different. He's the one that kind of looks like a Kennedy. I kept using different names for him, I think. But, but from different angles, I'd be like, okay, no, that's not it. Wait, no, that's it. I'm like, is that the same? No, that, oh, who's, which, and I was like, which one's the Colorado one? Which is the mediocre it's all, one? It's all of them. They're all, all the Colorado. They're all, of them. all Colorado. <laughs> no, but I think a, a good reminder with this is, you know, the debates are entertaining and they're cool to watch and to do the parties and stuff, but these are corporate events from, yeah, like MSNBC and stuff. And so just remember that and remember that there's that framing and there's going to be maybe different treatment of different candidates and things like that. And just 
like with Kamala, she did a good job, but that doesn't mean that's someone you should vote for. Also, I want to say, don't let anybody tell you you can't criticize anybody on that stage because it's the purpose of the event. You don't like them, criticize them, ask the questions, and if they don't have answers, they're done. And if somebody on that stage who is unexpected says something that you're like, wow, I actually agree with that, don't be afraid to own that. Because if you acknowledge not just the things you don't agree with, but the things that you do, that also helps shape where these politicians move and where they where they get to in their policy. So Meet them on the field of love. If, so, if like Swalwell coming out and being really strong against, against gun violence, hell yeah, that's awesome. And I will tip my hat to him for that. And I know that, you know, he's another centrist guy who's running as like a democratic mediocrity or whatever. But, you know, hat tip to him for keeping that in the conversation that was important and if we don't come out and say that it will lose it will leave the conversation because he's not in it anymore Here's so remind people it matters you're wearing a hat right now and you wouldn't be able to tip it and it is a beautiful hat it's a little large i'd say it's, it's i feel like it's spatially aware yeah, i feel like it's a spaceship i that's fair but i mean be engaged watch these debates listen to people's answers Have a party and the question you should always ask yourself whenever you're listening to these folks and a moderator throws something out there, always stop and say, does that answer actually answer this question? And if the answer is no, message them, DM them, email them, demand an actual answer to that question because you can and you should. That is accountability. That is public service. Whatever Nancy Pelosi says about people tweeting at them on, on the Internet, that is public service. That is the job. Here's another public service. You need to sign Corn's petition. She wants Chuck Todd to be sh- uh, thrown into a live vol- active volcano that's done signed yep. <laughs> so coming up next is our discussion with um melissa hall who's running for congress in district six in seattle or not congress oh my god who's running for city council in seattle district not six yet. i know i'm just that's where i'm at with her <laughs> but uh, i urge you keep listening it's an amazing interview uh, we're only going to throw in about 20 25 amazing. minutes we're going to release the full interview same time we release this episode so if you liked what she had to say there uh listen to the whole thing she gets deep in the weeds about the um uh what is it the EOC. Uh, she gets deep into the weeds about housing, about zoning. She is just one, easily one of the smartest people I know. And she talks about how we you see, can do this in your city. When we see deep in the weeds, is that negative? No, that's good. Okay. Means we, talk, we talk deets. Oh. We like weeds. Deep no, deets. It's good. Yeah, it's weeds. good. So, okay, is, yeah. So it's deep in the weeds. But this then is the Washington. Way. We love, we love yeah. weeds. Yeah, we um, get in the weeds all the time. All the time. Yep. All so time. stay tuned. Listen to that. It's totally <laughs> worth it. If you want to catch the whole uh, interview, just tune into the next track. It's going to go right into the full interview with Melissa. So listen. I urge you, listen to it. All right, well, that's it for our big news breakdown. And now we're going to get right on into our interview with another city council candidate from Seattle City Council. It is me and Troy. Hi. And Bill. Hello. And we've got Corn acting as our producer and our two studio dogs, Virgil and Homer. And we are sitting down with Melissa Hall, who's running for District 6, right? Yes. And I have a, so you touched on something a little bit earlier when we were talking about like what got you into politics. You said like, you know, someone like me is, I'm an electable. So uh-huh. talk to us a little bit more about that. How, how has your personal struggle impacted your politics or empowered you in politics? Well, here's the thing. I am from Tallahassee, Florida, mm. which is a very Southern town, even though people don't think of Florida as a Southern place. And it became really clear that you can be in the closet and be in politics or you cannot. And you get to be a bureaucrat. And I made my choice. I was a bureaucrat for 15 years. I've done a lot of different things in that role. I've dealt with legal leaking sewers underneath Birmingham, Alabama. I figured out where to put grocery stores. Um, I worked as part of the Florida's emergency response team. But I was 
it was with the understanding that I could never run for office. And mm-hmm. because I was unelectable, I also could never be appointed to office. It was a limitation on my career that I just had to accept as part of the cost of doing business as somebody who worked in government in the South. Um, and it was amazing how deeply I internalized that limitation. Yeah. <laughs> so for you personally, then, this is a, a question I love asking people because it's such a diverse series of answers. But so what do you believe the role of government is? What do you believe? Like, so you're running for city council, uh, whether it's local, state or federal. What overall, when you think about this concept, this big old concept of government, what does that mean to you? For me, government is a way of dealing with the reality that we can't take care of everybody by ourselves. We need to collectivize and we need systems in order to take care of the people that are not going to be taken care of by cultural systems. And it's a way to have sort of a direct input on our culture because social power, to my mind, is always greater than governmental power. However, governmental power gives us some control over what those social norms and where those social power um, centers are directed. Okay, interesting. So diversity of of all kinds is a a huge a huge thing here in Seattle. We always talk about being a big diverse city, and there's there's a lot of gives and takes about it. We've had conversations about how Seattle is actually not as progressive as people think. Um, Seattle actually does struggle with with racial tension a lot more than people think. Um, Seattle struggles with uh, it struggles with its own identity a lot, and so mm-hmm. we know that we really want to be a city that really fights for diversity. And I know that having the most diverse city council could be a really incredible thing um, when it comes. To that kind of thing, protecting marginalized communities, protecting targeted communities. What is what do you believe your role as a sitting city council, city councilman or city councilperson would be? It's to plan with instead of for. I that sounds like a simple soundbite, but it's not simple to execute. Um, if the people you're planning for aren't at the table, then you need to stop and figure out how to get them at the table. Equality is what's easy to measure. It's giving people exactly the same thing, and that feels good, and that feels really fair. Equity is when you give people what they need, and that's really hard to quantify. That's really hard to measure, and it can feel really unfair because you end up giving some people a lot more and some people a lot less. My heart is about to explode out of my chest cavity because that is exactly what equality versus equity is. And we've it we really have previously informed other city council <laughs> candidates of what the actual difference is. Can, can and I then, get the tissues? <laughs> <laughs> and so I know that, you know, uh, we talk about diversity. We talk about about justice. We talk about things like I've asked questions about uh, another city council candidate asked about the youth jail that's that's mm-hmm. going up in, in uh, that's going to mostly affect the Rainier Beach community. Um, so when you think about this, qua- this, this aspect of equity and when you think about our justice system in the city of Seattle, how do you, how does that view of equity affect something like justice reform? For you at a city level. So um, I guess a better way to phrase that question is using that that lens of equity, when you look at criminal justice, what would be something that you'd want to push for at a city level for, for justice reform, if anything? Well, let's start off with the facts of the matter. I'm a white woman and I have a law degree. I am not the most affected by the criminal <laughs> justice system. So I am not the person we should be listening to about this. Um, however, there is something that I keep in mind. In a perfect world, I would have random police calls to officers, to prosecutors, and to elected officials' houses. Basically, 
would all be swatted as a condition of having the positions that we have. And unless that feels like a safe thing to have happen, we're not there yet with justice reform. If the police aren't, if you're not comfortable with the police showing up at your door randomly with some sort of call, then they shouldn't be showing up at anybody else's either. Oh, I that's totally a, agree. That's a very solid answer. That's interesting. That's Bad very interesting. Bad policy happens yeah. when people with power exempt themselves from the conditions. Which we kind of have. We live in a pervasive <laughs> atmosphere of that. Yeah, yeah. And we talk about that quite a bit. Yeah, we yeah. We do, actually. Police. And I know, Um, so there was a the police contract that recently mm-hmm. got negotiated with Mayor Jenny Durkin. What are your feelings about the police contract negotiations that happened? Well, the people in the affected community weren't satisfied. I, you know, my feelings don't even really enter into it when the people most affected say that it's not the right thing for their community. I love this. <laughs> it's almost like when you're elected, you should like go talk to the people who's good, who are going to be impacted the most by your legislation, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Weird. Um, and then so there's a couple of other things. We have, uh, there's so many areas, especially like I love South Seattle. So I know it's not your district. That's D2, which is near and dear to my heart. I love oh. it so much. But I know we also have a, a huge immigrant community here. Mm-hmm. And I, for one, am extremely proud of our status as a sanctuary city. And so uh, what, how do you, do you support our status as a sanctuary? City. Absolutely. Wonderful. <laughs> That's all I need to know. Um, so when it when it comes to when it comes to <laughs> to us here in Seattle, we we talk a lot about protecting our immigrant communities from mm-hmm. from unfair targeting. Is there more that you think can be done right now as for for city council to help prevent those immigrant communities from being targeted? So to help reinforce our Seattle city, our sanctuary city status? Um unfortunately we live within a hundred miles of a coastline. Yeah. Yeah. True. <laughs> so we 25 are 25 if you're at Troy's house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we were in within the jurisdiction of Customs and Border Protections no matter what we do. Um now I would like us to see what we can get creative about particularly about courthouses that really bothers me. Oh, can you uh Oh, um ICE has been targeting courthouses for enforcement. It is one of the places that's not actually technically off limits for them. And we can't make it actually technically off limits for them because we don't make policies, which is why I'm like, how creative can we get? Can we introduce churches into our courthouses? Right. Which would make them religious institutions and therefore exempt from ICE jurisdiction. I mean, like, we're going to have to get a little bit weird. But maybe it's time to get a little bit weird because that's unacceptable to me. It is having people show up at court dates. Given how weird things are at yeah. this point, I'm ready to get real weird. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's get real weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so because on the Better Left podcast, we always refer back to national politics. I'm going to ask another controversial question, which I have done in the past. I've been known to do occasionally. No. Uh, so recently there was out of New York 14, there was Alexander Ocasio-Cortez mm-hmm. who referred to the uh, immigration camps as concentration camps. Mm-hmm. And so it, this can be personal or city council. What is your, so I personally firmly support, I think she's totally right. Um, do you believe that these are akin to concentration camps or do you think it's something different? Everyone I know personally who has lost family to concentration camps says yes. So Yeah. I mean, when we have generational trauma, we have generational trauma, but we also develop an immune response as a society, hopefully, in that people who have 
been impacted remember the shape of things that injured them. And that's why I think the people who are best equipped to tell us these are concentration camps are people who have lost family. Um, on a personal level, my wife is Jewish and we have talked. I tell her, I'm not going to know when it's time to leave, but you will. You need to make that call for our family and I need to trust you because this is one of the things that you've been raised for, you've been trained for. Um, and we spent a long time keeping all of our assets in cash because we didn't know whether or not we would have to flee. We've talked to Canadian immigration attorneys, and I don't think we're the only people who are looking at this and going, yeah, yeah, I've seen, I've seen this pattern before. And what you're saying, I think that it's important to note your preparation, <laughs> your doomsday prepping <laughs> is not unusual. And that's when it gets scary. That's when it gets frightening. When you have friends and Jewish friends that are like, not yet, but mm -hmm. we're looking close. Like that's frightening. It's terrifying. And this is something that we're seeing in immigrant communities. This is also something that we're seeing in the LGBTQIA community, um, especially with things like the trans ban. And then there's the yeah. women who have been murdered in D.C., the, the trans women of color um, there. And this is not there are two high profile murders so far, but those are just the high profile. ones, Right. Yeah. The, the ones that we haven't heard about. There are more of those or the ones that we haven't categorized as hate crimes against Absolutely. against the right. trans community. And so mm. when it comes to things like protecting protecting the trans community and protecting the LGBTQIA community, protecting these super marginalized groups that really are earnestly living in fear, doomsday prepping. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What can we, what can, what do you believe city council can do? What do you want to do as a, as a city councilman? And then what can we do as members of the community who just want to protect the people that we love? Well, um, this is interesting because it relates to something that I just went to a listening session from the Department of Licensing about adding X to driver's licenses. And one of the suggestions was, wait, what if we dropped a gender designation altogether? Because changing gender designation into something that outs people is also a danger in this climate. Which led to the other question, which is, why is gender something we are keeping a record of at a department that's in charge of licensing motor vehicles at all? I think in times like this, we need to get really disciplined with regard to data, particularly with regard to data that can target people. And in a city with such strong freedom of information, act laws, which are generally a good thing, we need to get really serious about making sure that we don't collect data that could lead to targeting and that we don't release data that could lead to targeting. Um, we've seen this with um, Danny Eskini, um, was outed by a freedom of information request to the Department of Health. Um, I have been on the phone with them and there's just no way for somebody to apply for a social worker license without giving out their dead name. And that's requestable. So we have some serious policy gaps we need to fill. That particular one is a state gap, but I suspect on the state level we will find this because it's endemic to assume that information is neutral and in a situation like this, information is not neutral. And you've, um, I, I read on your website too, you're a supporter of municipal broadband too, speaking of data and detection, <laughs> yeah. data encryption. So just to take a, a, a little bit of a lighter like, turn, yeah. as I love to do, I'm like, speaking of people being marginalized and outed and oppressed, let's talk about the internet. <laughs> um, so when it comes to things like 
uh, like municipal broadband. I've been a huge supporter. Was the whole time. Every person in here is a big dork. Troy's an internet nerd. I'm internet a huge cool. Dork. Internet cool guy. Um, <laughs> and I know you know our other yeah. producer, my partner Jay, is off doing his thing, being super cool on the internet too. But when it comes to things like municipal broadband, uh, is this really something that cities can do? Can we go city by city and make this happen? Um, I am not sure about all of the cities. But Seattle is unusually well positioned. We own our own poles. We own our own right of way. I've heard that there's even dark fiber that we started installing in the 90s that's just out there that hasn't been inventory. Hey, wait, what? What is dark? What do you have? What do you have? Rogue fiber? Yeah. Just out there? Yeah. Just for lines. a while when we dug up streets, we also laid fire, fiber optic cable as a matter of policy. <laughs> All right. That is bananas. I mean, I come from a city that had one of the early free nets. And um, that was my generation. Like, that's how I got on the Internet as a teenager was through the local free net. And I've seen the impact that that's had. Um, I went to school with people who don't have college degrees but are now sysadmins at like 3M because of the experience they got working for the local free net. Um, it's really a skill builder. And sorry to bring up a controversial subject in a lighthearted what? No, 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 no. But yeah. like, <laughs> we never do that here. When we look at Amazon HQ2, and when you look at what they actually selected as places, mm -hmm. it was based on infrastructure and the availability of an educated populace. And if you look at something that will build infrastructure and an educated populace, that's pretty straightforward, especially yeah. given all the advantages we have in being able to do it. Absolutely. I agree. And speaking of our local boogeyman, mm -hmm. Amazon, yes. uh, when the head tax came up mm -hmm. and I, we got to ask, I feel yeah. like it's, it's, it's now like almost a, a lore that you have to, you like have it's a to. required question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how did you feel about the Amazon head tax and the vote and everything, all the hullabaloo that went down around that? The hullabaloo. Yeah. The Amazon head tax made me really sad. Um, let's be honest. We're a tech family. We, my wife works for Google. I'm able to live here because I'm in a very similar situation to all of the people who work for Amazon. And it felt like a lot of what we were talking about was who was being targeted instead of who was being helped. And mm. in a city right now where we do see the desperate need for housing, the fact that we were talking about who we were imposing the tax on instead of what we were imposing the tax for, kind of hurt my feelings you know like yes somebody has to pay for all of the things that we do in a city it's it's the reality there isn't like a magic money wand as much as i would like there to be but what's important is what we're doing more so than like who we're hurting and the fact that it was framed that way felt like it was very much about winners and losers instead of we need to get people into houses now, from a pure logistical standpoint, this is the only tax that the city of Seattle has ever uh, successfully collected that they're not currently collecting that I know of. Um, they actually got money for a payroll tax from Amazon before. Um, so it seems like in a city with very limited options, a good choice. And we're not unique. There are other cities who have payroll taxes, um, including, you know, Denver, um, places that were under consideration for a second headquarters, oddly enough. Huh. Okay. Um, so, um, but when you, 
but it was hard to um, not feel a little bit like it was about, we don't want you in our city. And I understand that as an employer, Amazon is controversial and hard, but it's also hard to say that without also thinking about all the people who live here because of Amazon and work for Amazon and identify with them a little bit. So um, the closest thing to being a tech family in Seattle I've ever experienced was growing up in a college town and suddenly becoming a college student in that college town. Um, there isn't a great integration of those families with Seattle in general, and that culture gap can sometimes wound. That, well, it. Awesome. Well, just thank look you at so the much. internet and think hall for six and <laughs> something will happen. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for dropping in. Um, we don't tend to do fluff pieces, so for us to sit around the table and tell you we really like you is like a thing we don't tend to do thank here you. at the Better Lift Pod. Um, can I do one more thing before we sign off? Of course. There's one more policy that I think is kind of unique to my campaign I'd like to talk about. Okay. It's uh, licensing property managers. Oh, okay. You know, what it takes to be a property manager is showing up at a company and getting hired. You don't have to have any education at all in the Landlord-Tenant Act, any education at all in, like, your duties. There's no way to discipline you. Um, if you do do something illegal, the remedy for the tenant is to go to court under the Residential Landlord-Tenant Act and seek a judgment, which will be against the landlord, not against you. So... Not having any regulations for property managers is weird. That is really weird, considering they govern, like, people's roofs over their heads and exactly. their lives. Yeah, they can evict you. Like, this seems like a thing that should be regulated. Well, And we all know that people facing eviction are totally prepared to hire a lawyer and go to court and skip oh, yeah, work. Of course. Yeah, of yeah. As you do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this seems like a pretty easy place to make some policy difference by having a personal license and personal professional responsibility on property managers. It's also good for property managers because at least some of them I've talked to have been interested in unionizing for a long time. But without a professional licensure or some sort of like barrier to entry, it's really hard to get that unionization. It's also really hard to say no to property owners when there are no really no consequences or personal duty. Um, I know we talk a lot about how to make lives better for renters, but this seems like a relatively easy to implement policy. Awesome. I love that. I think that's great. So that's <laughs> Melissa. She's running for six, a uh, hall for six on everywhere. Uh, email, websites, Twitter, whatever it is, hall, the number four, then S-I-X. Um, so please check her out. She's running for Seattle City Council. A lot of the stuff we talked about, like I said, is relevant to anyone that doesn't live in Seattle. So do go over it once or twice and get, get shit done in your city. But thank you so much for joining us. I thank appreciate you. it. And I appreciate it. Good luck. Thank yeah, you. Good luck. Thank you. <laughs> So that was Melissa Hall, our Seattle City Council candidate from District 6. And I urge you, she is so smart. She is smart as a whip. I, we do not do, as I said in that interview, we do not do fluff pieces on people where we build them up. She knows her shit. She knows exactly what she's talking about. She really, she's a land use attorney. Like she, that's her job. Her job is to know these laws. It's to know how to do this stuff. And she's super inclusive, super progressive. So she, I urge you, listen to the rest of the interview with her. Check out her website. Donate if you can. Um, grassroots candidates are necessary at all levels of government. So please, 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 please help out if you can.
Yeah, I was really impressed with just how knowledgeable she sounded about everything. It was just really remarkable to me. And when I think about who do I want to see in an elected position like that, I think about people like that. So I'm not outright saying I endorse her, but I am saying, damn, girl. And she talks about issues realistically. She's not going to tell you shit that you can't do. She's like, look, we can't do it this way. But here's what we can do. And here's what we can do to get weird and go around things because she does have that that background in law. And so, yeah, she's she's my new favorite human. Yeah, yeah. I really like her. So uh, we're going to move into our palate cleanser. It is uh, me and Jay and Corn for the palate cleanser. Yeah. Uh, so we are Jay and I are going to have a spelling bee showdown. Mom and dad. Yep. Woo, here we go. This is the ultimate showdown of ultimate destiny. The ultimate showdown. Team Laser Explosion versus Fire Thunder Squad. And the reason we're doing this is so um, here not too long ago was the National Spelling Bee, and it was actually a octo-tie. An octo-tie. Yes. Um, eight children won because they just, they're so smart, and they just kept getting the words right over and over and over again. Does that mean people just wanted to go home? Yeah, that, was yeah, that means that That's... the adults in the room were like, we don't care anymore. <laughs> we just want to go home. Yeah. Been there. Um, so the, the Octo Babies, they did the thing, and so now we're going to do the thing. All right, okay. Octo Babies. Let's do this. No relation to Octo Mom, other maybe. Octo Babies. That we okay. Maybe. I don't know. That's been um, confirmed. But we're going we're gonna to do a challenge of some of the words that they had to spell and see if we're as smart as these little childs. I think let's pick, we're going to pick three. Three. We're going to do three. Yeah. Three is just okay. like such a good, yeah. nice, clean number, and it's right about when people stop giving a shit. So. This, is, <laughs> this is when people are going to find out I went to a state university right now. Yes, through <laughs> right. school. Yeah. All right, let's do this. Okay, who's going first? We, I will. I'll go okay. first. I'll do it. Oh, God. Trailblazer. Also, as you guys know from the presidential <laughs> debate segment, I might not um, say these words correctly, so I'm very sorry, but we'll figure it out together. That's Just okay. spell them out for me. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, so the first one is um, crystallographer. A crystallographer is a noun uh, related to the word crystallography, meaning a science that deals with the forms of, and structures of crystals. Ooh, I'll bet you, uh, Ooh. what's her name? Knows Marianne how to spell Williamson this. Marianne probably yeah, is a crystallographer. Okay, so can you do this? So C R Y S T A L. O G R A P H E R. It's double L. Oh, double fudge. L. You're out. Should have given me a chance. No, give him no chance. Would you? Right. Would you have done that double L? I did. Really? I was going you to. Yeah. I don't believe you. You are a liar. I would. You I was are going to do a it. Liar. Mm. Anyway, I was I already super got my close. One right. Mixed one. Missed one L. What's J? Go. Hold on. I I need to figure out how to say this word. <laughs> uh, oh, so you're getting the good one. Uh, parvenism. Parvenism is a noun meaning. Parvenu nature or behavior. It's also a noun meaning one that has recently or suddenly risen to a an unaccustomed position of wealth or power and has yet and has not yet gained the prestige, dignity, or manner associated with it. Is That's that us? A specific word. So it's parvenism. Yeah. Okay. So parvenism. P-A-R-V-E-N-I-S-O-M. You're close. Oh. And again, like, I'm sorry if this is my fault, but whatever. Uh, P-A-R-V-E-N-U-I-S-M. Yeah. Wait. I don't know. How do you say here? I don't know. Go to dictionary.com and it'll say it for you. Yeah, yeah. there's a little bubble. We that. learned this. So Jay and I frequently, for anyone that doesn't know the background on why it's me and Jay, we are always debating over pronunciation of words. And the worst part is when uh, we're all, it's always both pronunciations are correct. It only has the shortened version of the word, if that makes sense. Hold on. 
Parvenu. Parvenuism. Yeah. Parven- Did I say it right? Parvenuism. Oh, parvenuism. Same thing. Whatever. All right. <laughs> Parvenu. Okay. Uh, y'all ready for the next one? All right. I'm yeah. ready. Hit well, me. Oh, no. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Y'all are tied. Okay. Uh, <laughs> woe be goneness. Wait. Woe be go- goneness. Uh, <laughs> it's a noun related to the. Oh, sorry. It's a noun related to the word woe be gone, meaning strongly affected with woe. W O B E G O N E N E S S. You were so close. Shit. And that's with me probably saying it wrong. W O E B E G O N E N E S S. Ah, there's an extra E N. <sighs> Damn. These fucking kids, man. These kids are just they're hackers. They're aimbotting. They've hacked the planet. Yeah. They hacked the Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Get on my skateboard and ride away. You you ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. My body was trembling with anticipation. Wait, I want to put this one in the d- dictionary. Or no, that's unfair. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just make the dictionary say it. Oyas. Uh, Oyas is an imperative verb used by a court or public crier to gain attention before a proclamation. An oyas? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with O-Y-E-I-S. You overthought this, bruh. O-Y-E-Z. Ah! Oh. <laughs> I'm going to start yelling that when I want people to pay attention. Oh, yes. Oi! I think it's supposed to be oi Like, oi guys. Yeah, that's probably it. I have no idea. These this is all fake so history. These hard. Yeah. I just, yeah. I don't know how to read, you guys. <laughs> like, you might not know how to spell, but I don't know how to read. All right, final round. <sighs> uh... Orizivorous. Orizivorous. Yeah, orizivorous. Uh, it's an adjective meaning feeding of rice. Feeding okay. on rice. Orizivorous. O-R-I-Z-I-V-O-U-O-R-O-U-S. Can you I jump in? S- yeah. Can I? Is it A R O? No, dude, it was O R Y, and you said I. Oh, yeah, because I was thinking rice or rees or like. I was thinking arroz. The, like, the rest of the world pronounces rice. Yeah, that's <laughs> it in Spanish. Is arroz? I arroz, watched the yeah. first debate. I know. Thank, thank you, Beto. Some kid from <laughs> Dallas spelled it correctly in round two. That kid is smarter than me. <laughs> round yeah. two. Woo! I gotta pick uh, up a book. Okay, kid awake. Uh, kid awake is a noun meaning either of two cliff nesting gulls uh, that winter on the open ocean. Duh. K-I-T-T-I-W-A-K-E. You got it. Oh! Wow! Can we have a bonus round though? Because I feel like I got a much easier one than her and that's not fair. This yeah. is... Okay. That's not fair. <laughs> you want a hard one? Yeah. Sarah, I don't know how to say this though. Here, don't look, Jay. Don't be a jerk, Jay. Don't okay. look. You know All which right. one I'm All talking right. about. The one at the top? Or that one. I don't care. Oh. Either. Give him the hardest one, though. Damn. Yeah, hit me. The hit me with your best one? shot. Yeah. But do you know how to say either of them either? I know how to say one of them. Okay, and then the other one. one. The other one I can guess. No, he's going to get that one. Or do the guess one, yeah. Uh, <laughs> try me. Oh, man. Right? I wish this was like my special talent and we just found this out tonight. Yeah. 
Xenarthra. Xenarthra is a noun meaning a suborder or other division of Edentata comprising the American anteaters, armadillos, sloth, and usually the extinct ground sloths. You said Xenarthra? Yeah. X-E-N-A-R-T-H-R-A. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Maybe it is your specialty. No, I just know the word Xeno. Like, oh. Yeah. I've... Well, Xeno is spelled with a Z. No, it's spelled with an X. No, it's not. Well, I couldn't have said Challenge. or spelled. I'm so. looking it up right now. They're thinking of like Xeno Parmenid or Xeno. Are we old... thinking of two different? Yeah, Xeno Avalia. Yeah, no. You're Eat thinking. It. See, this is your classics major coming out. Oh. Right. I'm thinking of like Xenocide, X E N O. Oh, yours is darker than mine. <laughs> yeah. Mine is a philosopher. Yours I read Jeff. too much sci fi. That's what happened. <laughs> well, so we did it. We did it. Yeah, JB. All right. We learned these little kids are, are smart whippers. Yeah. They're way smarter than Bullshit. me, that's for sure. Yeah, they're way smarter than me. I'm dumb. I'm a dumb dumb. Are you smarter than an Octo winner? No. No. <laughs> I'm not. not. Absolutely an Octo not. champ. Well, that about concludes us for this episode of the Better Left Podcast. I want to remind people to tune in next week when we're going to be having our interview piece be Tammy Morales from uh, running in District 2 for City Council in Seattle. Another one who we talk about big scale stuff with. Uh, we talk about a lot of the same stuff we talked about with uh, Melissa and Ari, but she gave some way more powerful answers about police and police accountability. So I definitely encourage people to tune into that one, too. Uh, we have the the podcast awards coming up, and I guess we were nominated for one. What? Wait, what? Yeah, I didn't even know that. Surprise! Yeah. Is it uh, biggest corn? Uh, yeah, it is biggest year of corn. Actually, cool. yes, yeah. <laughs> that's us. We're known for it. Yeah, uh, they loved your kernels of truth. And we we, we always tell people the same thing: like this is election season. This is city election season. Get involved with city council. Get involved with county council. Get involved with water commissioner. It all matters. Look at what's happening in to Caban and in the Queen in Queens for the DA race. Um, it's happening all over the place. So get involved. Hold your electeds accountable. Go to those recounts if you can. Donate to Caban if you can. Help make sure that she gets that recount. We really need it to happen. She'd be an amazing progressive voice. This is about all of us. It's not about one of us no one district in the country matters more than another so just be there for each other support each other redefine what power is power is us taking time and investing our resources into making sure the right thing happens with the right people so this has been the better left podcast and at this podcast we believe the world is better left okay bye, bye. bye. Any questions? Don't play fair With your arrogant ways And your comb over hair No, you're a fake Not a billionaire Oh, no, no I'm wide awake And you're a nightmare more than the